Lord Jesus, we, we come before you today and we come humbly knowing that the questions of our times are overwhelming. And they are bigger and more difficult than any of us are able to even begin to grapple with. But yet you are almighty God. You are bigger than all of the questions of this broken, fallen, hurting world. And you are the answer. You are the hope of this world. And Lord Jesus, you've called us as your people to share that hope of the world with the world. And Lord, we pray that you teach us what that means, what that looks like. Mold us, shape us, guide us through these coming days. We pray it by your powerful name and through the, the presence of your spirit in us. In Jesus' name and with the Father, now and always. Amen. So how do you respond? I mean, these are difficult days. I think that's quite obvious. The questions that are already starting to pour in are proof of that. Um, Pastor Steve and I are not going to be playing much golf this summer because it's pretty clear research is going to be our friend. We, we have a lot to grapple with because the questions that are already coming in, as you've emailed tough questions at stjohnrochester.org, uh, are tough ones. And, and the questions, they keep coming, don't they? I mean, these are confusing times. What is truth? Is there such a thing as truth? What is right? What is wrong? How do you define sexuality? How do you define politics and what is proper for a future president? How do you define what education should look like and what the role of government can be and what's our role as a church in the realm of freedom and being Americans? And the list goes on and on, even to things like, are all religions truly the same? And is there only really ultimately one God, and yet all religions lead to the same path? I mean, these are questions that are being asked. And how do we respond? What is your response as a follower of Jesus? Or as a seeker trying to figure this all out? What, what do you respond? How do you respond? How do you answer when maybe you personally are even grappling with what is the answer? Even much more so, how do we answer a world that maybe is increasingly hostile to anything that is different than what is being taught in the media? I want to just throw up some responses here, some possible responses. Because I think emojis have become more and more our way of expressing life. Maybe not for all of you, I get that, but they are for a lot of people. Is They're a way to express our emotions. That's the idea within the impersonal texting realm in which we live. And emojis are a way to say, but here's what I'm feeling. And, and how are you feeling these days? What, what's the emoji that best describes your response to the tough questions of our day? You know, maybe for, for many, uh, what has become very common is the understanding, and often this has become the reputation of the church today, is that when the church has something to say about what the Bible says, we have become the people who are against everything. Uh, do you know what I mean by that? The way we are portrayed is people who are probably the emoji that is angry, with teeth, teeth clenched, angry, shouting, and we might even add a pointing finger of judgment to everyone else outside of the church. That, that's become our reputation. Whether we like it or not, it's what we become known as. And, and the emotions that many people take when it comes to people of the church is fear, avoidance, 
and maybe more hostility and anger right back. Jesus said, be careful of the Pharisees and the yeast of the Pharisees. And what often can happen for us as people of God is it is such a slippery, easy slope to fall into the mode of being pharisaical in how we relate to the world. Where we become the moral police and we, we go around pointing out what's wrong with everybody and, and wondering, why aren't they like us? And why don't they understand? And why don't they get it? And we can become very angry. Keep those faces up there for a while. Let's think about that. And yet Peter writes, he says, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic. Love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called. You hear that? <laughs> to this you were called. We, we might often kind of in, interpret, you know, what, to be prepared to give an answer is, be prepared to blast anybody who disagrees with us. It's not what the scripture says. And, and it's very clear. It, it's not our calling uh, to get angry. Now, I understand there's a place for righteous anger, but as sinful, broken people, it's a hard line of how do we become angry and yet not sin? And, or even worse, cause others to be driven further and further away from the truth of God's Word and the power of God, where God's Word has the ability to transform hearts and minds. And if we push everyone away by our emoji face of anger to the world, well, we don't even give the people a chance to even hear the words. And we've lost our opportunity to share Jesus with them. And yet, sadly, that's often become the face of the church today. Jesus even said it in the gospel. When he was talking about the fact that anyone who acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge. He says, when, when you're brought before the synagogues, the rulers, the authorities. Don't worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Is, is he saying, don't even think about it? Well, I don't think so, because certainly if we let Scripture interpret Scripture, Jesus says don't worry about it. And the reason is because we know it's not you speaking, it's the power of the Holy Spirit in us as baptized children of God who bear witness to our faith. The faith that God has given us to trust in Him. It's not in of ourselves. It's not something we've earned or deserved or some, by some pharisaical practice of building walls and fences around our faith to keep ourselves safe. That we've done something for God and therefore our job is to be the moral police to protect that. I, there's no mention of that here. But rather the realization that God is very much alive and well and ready to work in and through his people. People who humbly admit they are inadequate to give an answer for the hope that they have. People who keep in mind their calling. People who remember it's with gentleness and respect we're called to give that answer. Now, we'll get back to that. But I think there's another way of responding to the world. One is, you know, with clenched fists and anger and clenched teeth. That's one response. Maybe the other extreme that maybe more of us take these days is 
more of the approach, and it's really not there, but it's one that has an emoji without a mouth. We just kind of given up. And we just realize, well, what good is it to say anything? Because it seems the whole culture is going a direction. Who am I to say anything? And, and, and what if I say the wrong thing? What if I say something that only drives somebody further away from God? And what if I make a mistake that has eternal consequences for that individual? And, and, and so in fear, gripped by fear, we may not say anything. And we hold back. We're kind of like a camel putting its head in the sand. We're just like, well, maybe it'll all just go away if I pretend it's not there. <laughs> maybe that's been the approach you've taken. And yet, sadly, very directly related to that, though you may have a, a heart of compassion, and yet you just don't know what to say and fear grips you. Unfortunately, it's a slippery slope from that place to indifference, where we become sarcastic and, and, and we become kind of like, hey, whatever's going to be will be, but you know what? I know I'm in a good place, so whatever with the rest of the world. And indifference can take its effect. Maybe that's where you're at today. I, I think of the pastor, the sermon I, I heard once, this, this guest pastor was visiting a church, and uh, he came in and he, he said this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, t today I'm going to make three points in my message my number one point is, is that in our world today, millions and millions of people and hundreds and hundreds in your neighborhood are dying and going to hell because they don't know Jesus. It's the second point I'm going to make in my message today is that most of you don't give a damn about it. And he says, the third point I'm going to make in my sermon is, more of you are more concerned with the fact I said damn in a worship service than that millions of people are going to hell. Indifference can plague us as God's people. We figure, hey, I'm on the inside, I'm safe, all's well with my family, I'm not worried about that, to hell with them. Is that where we're at? Because that is not our calling either. It's not to go out and, and cleanse our fists of the world, and it certainly isn't just to be indifferent, say, who cares? There's got to be a better way. To that, Peter tells us. He says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. But there's a playing field of witness here that is just on a whole nother level where we realize that our self-confidence, where we realize that our reputation is not based on what other people think of us, it's not based on giving the wrong impression or being worried. It, rather, we say, Lord, if, if you have loved me and you have called me by name, may I be calm, may I be confident, because my confidence doesn't come from winning an argument. It doesn't come from being right. It doesn't come from proving my point. Rather, it comes by being gentle and respectful and having opportunity 
to lay out truth on the table and be able to share that in a way that is whimsical enough, that is engaging enough, that is in such a way that people actually maybe will hear it. As we give an answer, not for the anger that we have, not for the fear that we have, as we give an answer for the hope that we have. And that hope is Jesus, the one who laid down his life for a sinful broken world. The one who spent time with sinful, broken people outside the walls and the realm of the religion of, it, of the day. A Savior who has compassion, who has grace on those who think they're far from Him. A God who calls us to go out and give witness to the same. So what's that look like? As we begin to answer tough questions this summer, some of them are going to be really tough. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. But how do we bear witness within that? Uh, i got to tell you, I'm like you. I'm, I, I just have a feeling. Do you ever get crabby? <laughs> I guess I'm the only one, okay? Um, <laughs> eight o'clock, I guess, all right? So, I'm kidding. Do you ever get crabby? Help me out here. Do I hear a witness? Okay. Um, do you ever not really want to talk to people, right? Me, me too, right? You just want to withdraw and, and say, you know, I, I would rather be that camel that puts my head underneath the sand. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to say. What if I say the wrong thing? Uh, you know, it, it goes through my mind, too. And, and the, the, the thought of being a witness for Jesus at all times and being available is something I struggle with, too. And, and at times I want to run from. I'm a pastor. I struggle with this. I got a hunch you struggle with it, too. And it's real. But what does it look like when God uses us? I want to give you an example of a time I struggled just some weeks ago and, and kind of wrap this together as we begin this series. I, uh, I was on uh, over spring break. Uh, Shane and, and, and uh, our daughter Katie and myself, we were on, had a, were blessed to have an opportunity to go on a Caribbean cruise. And I, I need to withdraw from people and I've learned that cruises are not a good place to do that. Okay? And, and, and so, but the good news was, I'm, I'm an early riser. I'd get up very early, and most people don't on cruise boats. And, and so that was my time. I'd get up very early, like 5 a.m., and uh, found a place where there was coffee available. I had to break into a restaurant to get it every day. But they had it, and get some coffee. And I tried to find a secluded deck on the cruise boat where I could have my morning coffee, get out my iPad, which has my Bible app, and spend time with the Lord. And in silence, in quiet, in prayer, and and spend time in his word, so important, uh, or my soul just starts to just, uh, it starts to wilt. And um, so I'm on this, this vacation, day number two, got up at 5 a.m. I was, I was up to here with people. I just, I needed space, and I was excited to spend a morning of quiet. And, and I, I got the coffee, got everything set up. I sat down in a chair on this secluded deck. Everything was going well. And I, I closed my eyes. After I took a sip of coffee, I said, Lord, it is good to be here. I'm on holy ground. Speak to me through your word today. And, and may this just be a, a great time to get recalibrated in my heart and soul. And, and as I'm finishing up that prayer, I feel motion beside me. And as I open my eyes, there's a guy sitting right next to me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm looking down the deck. There's hundreds of chairs. And... And this guy says, hey, good morning. How's it going? I said, going fine. How about you? He said, oh, what a great day to start. He's like, oh, it looks like you're enjoying the quiet, huh? I said, yeah, I was. <laughs> and uh, 
and, and he starts talking, he starts telling me his life story, and I find out his name is Renee, and, and, and Renee has quite a story. He talks about, he says, hey, I noticed you're wearing a Michigan hat. He's like, yeah, I used to live in Michigan, great state. Now I live in Texas. Texas is quite a state too, and you know that I drove all the way from Texas to Florida to go onto this cruise. Really didn't want to go on a cruise because I don't really like being around people. I'm like, oh, interesting. And, and, and I'm like, how does, you know, how you try to have a conversation, you stare away from them to give them the impression that you really don't want to talk, he wasn't picking up on it at all. And, and we kept talking though, and he kept telling me more, and, and soon I'm realizing that maybe this is not my plan, but maybe this is a bigger plan. Because as we talked, and as he finally looked at my iPad, he said, so what are you reading, sir? And I said, well, I'm actually reading the Bible. Oh, he's like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, you know what? One thing I'm all in favor of, I'm all in favor of religion. And he says, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe. Believe in something, you know, if it's, if it's Buddha or if it's, a, you know, a Islam or, or maybe Hinduism or Christianity. It's all the same. And after all, hey, good for you. I'm glad you're, you're spending time connecting with God. And so what do you think I'm realizing at that point, right? Okay. Now there's a part of me that wanted to say, well, that's interesting. Have a great day. There's part of me that said, you're wrong, right? I didn't do that. I also didn't say, Renee, you're going to hell. That would not have helped that conversation, I don't think. But what I did do is I prayed. And I, I just kept listening to him. But meanwhile, I'm praying that, Lord, Obviously, this is not of me today. This is of you. I ask you, I don't want to do this, but I know you have something in mind. Just help me get out of your way. And, and the insight came to me. I said, Renee, I, I got a question for you. Something you said just a little bit ago. You said all religions are the same. And I, I, can I just ask you a question on that? How did you get to Florida again? He said, well, I took the roads from Texas. I said, okay, did, did it matter which road you got on? Or, or did it just you get on the street and turn any which direction, flip a coin, you'll end up in Miami? Is, is that how it went? He's like, well, of course not. You have to take the right roads to get to where you're going. He said, oh, I get where you're going with this. I said, you know, not all roads are the same. And I said, I don't know if you've had a chance to study the world religions. Or I said, I actually have had a chance to do some of that. And, and, and they are not the same. They are very different. And, and in fact, if you took them all together, you'd notice there's actually kind of two basic teachings that are very different. And, and he says, really? And I said, do you mind if I tell you? He's like, I'd love to hear. What, what's the difference? I said, well, one world religion teaches, and if you've heard me teach on this before, this is something I learned, and somebody helped me be prepared to give an answer. And I shared this with Renee. I said, a lot of people, when they experience God in this world, it, it, it seems as if God is distant and separate from us. And if you can picture, if this is us standing here and we're on the edge of a cliff, and this cliff is the separation from God who is across the valley that seems so far away. The question is, how do we connect with God? And, and often what the idea of religion is, is how does that happen? Well, for one world belief is, is that, okay, the idea is, by being good people, by doing good things, we start to build a bridge or a long jump across that chasm. And that through our efforts, through our goodness, through our attempts 
to do the right things in the right way that hopefully at the end of our life we will have done enough to have built a bridge that brings us into the presence of God and, and ultimately heaven. And he's like, yeah, that's Christianity. And I said, Renee, actually, that's the opposite of Christianity. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, that's actually what every other world religion teaches. That it's by my efforts, by what I do, by my attempts, I'm going to somehow overcome that chasm. I said, the problem is, if we're thinking about how we connect with God, God is perfect. He's holy. He's, he's perfect in every way. That, that means to come to him means we have to be perfect. I said, can you jump that far to be perfect in every way? He's like, there's no way. I said, me either. I said, that's why I'm really glad there's another world faith, another teaching, another belief. I said, it, it looks more like this. If, if we're separated from God, which we are, what God does is he comes from his side. And he makes the jump, but he does it by way of perfection, by coming among us, by sending his son, Jesus. That, that's the message there. Jesus comes into our broken world as one who is without sin or, or separation from God. He's God in the flesh like us and yet without sin, and, and he lays down that bridge, but there's one other piece to it. He's like, what's that? I said, well, you maybe remember, it sounds like you know a little bit about Christianity. What is the most important thing Jesus did? And he says, well, he went, the, went to a cross, right? And he died, and they say he rose again. I said, exactly. <laughs> what Jesus did there is not only does he come into our world, but he also lays down his life for us, and that bridge takes the form of a cross, and, and it's a it's a bridge of grace. It's a bridge of forgiveness. It's a bridge that's based in the goodness of God that overcomes our inadequacies and our separation. God comes to us to offer us a gift. Does that make sense? This guy's smiling. He's like, that makes a lot of sense. Not every road leads the same way, does it? That's what he said. I'm like, no, it doesn't. He's like, I need to think about that, but you really helped me today. He's like, I'm going to let you get back to reading now. And he walked away. And I kept running into him for the next three days. And every time I saw Renee, he saw me, he smiled, and he says, thank you. I get it. I get it. I think we're going to see Renee in heaven one day. Not because I wanted to talk to him about it, <laughs> but because I got out of God's way. Where's God going to lead you this week? And, and through the summer, when we prepare to give an answer for the hope that we have, and to do so with gentleness and respect. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask your help in this. These are desperate times. These are challenging days. The tough questions that are plaguing our world, and plaguing the challenges to who we are and what we believe, Lord, they, they're overwhelming. But Lord, you are the answer. You are the hope of the world. And we pray you teach us what it means to get out of the way. Where your Holy Spirit has sway in our minds and hearts and teaches us with a temperament and ability to relate and communicate the love of Almighty God for the dying and broken world. That Lord, more and more people would come to know your truth. Lead us into that answer and sharing it with the world. We pray by your powerful name and leading in Jesus, Jesus' powerful name. Amen.